¿Cómo están? Muy bien, estamos muy agradecidos de estar con ustedes esta mañana Y uh, yo creo que tengo una palabra que va a animar, animarte, edificarte y... You guys need uh, English translation? Uh, you have headphones here for that? Is that, is that what you do? <laughs> Now I'm very excited to be here this morning um, And share with you uh, about what's going on and what we're doing and, and we're just so glad to be here with you guys, with family And I love being Uh, I love that I get, we get to spend time with uh, my brother-in-law, Ross, my sister, Amy, and, and their family. But I want to thank you guys for being a part of what God is doing and transforming lives in uh, Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico. And for those of you who don't know us, uh, obviously, we, that's where we are. And uh, my wife, Sylvia, is here, and I've got two of my daughters with me. And uh, we have six kids. Two of us are uh, with us in Mexico. The rest are here in actually New Braunfels. And, uh, but we plan on our church about the same time that one chapel did just a couple of months after you guys did, and you guys have supported our ministry. And so I just want to thank you. I'm, I'm, we're just so thankful for what you guys have done and how you've supported us, all that you do for us. And, and thank you for your generosity and your passion to love the people of Central Mexico. And uh, we're so excited about what God has in store for 2017. And, and I want to kind of just give you a recap of 2016, if I can. But your generosity and what you're giving and what you guys have blessed us with has enabled us uh, to help two orphanages that we work with 94 kids, and also special needs school that we work with where there's uh, another 100 kids at this particular location. Um, you've helped provide backpacks, uh, socks, underwear, school supplies, uniforms, uh, some, basic some other basic necessities, uh, furniture, appliances, kitchen supplies, and just a lot, of, a lot of stuff. You've helped provide Christmas for approximately 200 kids in one of the poorest uh, neighborhoods, one of the poorest colonias in the city with our Christmas in the Colonia outreach and some of the most heartbreaking stories that, that you will ever hear. But thank you for your generosity. Your generosity has helped us provide food for approximately 400 families throughout the year that, that most don't get three meals a day. Um, your generosity has helped us train pastors and leaders in our school and ministry, Rama Bible Institute. And you, actually, you guys have helped us sponsor uh, some of those pastors with scholarships. And we're, we're in our fourth year with 16 students this year, and we've graduated over 50 Uh, pastors and leaders since opening the, the ministry school. And so we'll be planting churches this year with some of our graduates. And thank you for being, part of, uh, being a part of training Mexican pastors and leaders. And we believe in investing in, in the nationals to evangelize and reach their country. And so you've helped us do that. Your generosity has helped us put a roof on a church that had no roof, put a second floor on their building. And through the groups that we've had throughout the year, Um, the different outreaches that we do throughout the city, working with other uh, churches in different, different colonias, uh, we've, we've seen close to 2,500 people give their lives to Christ. So thank you for supporting us. <clears throat> Everything that we do, you share in those efforts. And know that God is working and moving in Leon. And 2017, is, is we're believing God for bigger and, and, and bigger things, greater things. Uh, we've got some projects that, that we're going to be... Uh, Uh, undertaking this year, and you guys are a part of that. And if you want to stay up to date on what we're doing, oh, I guess we didn't bring any cards, did we? Um, you know what? Connect with us. You can find us on uh, One Chapel's website. Uh, there's a missions page. And send us, shoot us an email if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter. We would love to keep you up to date on what we're doing. And uh, I'm excited about being here. And it's always a challenge for me to know, you know what to share when I come back to the States and visit different churches and Part of me wants to just preach a message, and, and part of me wants to do nothing but talk about Mexico and what we're doing. So this morning, I, I'm going to do a little, a little of both. And uh, this is my first time ministering here, so I'm really excited. I really, wanted, I really just wanted to encourage you 
and share our journey with you of how God has directed us and led us to do a lot of the things that we're doing. And uh, it, because it's, it's been a, just an amazing journey, it's an exciting journey uh, to be able to, to do what God's calling you to do and, and to see what God's doing. And, and honestly, I knew that God was calling us to Mexico to plant a church. And, and when we started this whole thing, uh, this whole journey, and in my mind, that was the only thing I had in mind. You know, all right, yeah, we're going to start a church, and, and we're going to, yeah, church, Sundays, Wednesdays, Wednesday night Bible study, we're going to do church, and it's going to be great, and let's get this thing going. And, but, you know, as soon as, as soon as we got there, there were these opportunities that just suddenly presented themselves, and there were some needs that presented themselves. So, and so all of these were happening, doors opening, and we sensed the Holy Spirit just really prompting us to do a whole lot more than just start a church. And, and, you know, a lot of times, I know you guys are in this series about uh, hearing God's voice, and, 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 but a lot of times, you know, God, God will speak to us through opportunities and needs. And then the Holy Spirit, we have that thing on the inside of us uh, that just kind of confirms that, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's what you need to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's it right there. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so... So we hear, you know, we heard God's voice in those moments of, of needs and opportunities, and there's always needs and opportunities. There's always a lot of good things that we can do. And, and if you're not careful, sometimes you can get really busy doing good things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're God things. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of good things to be involved in. Don't get me wrong. But, but there's something, you know, working with the Holy Spirit that, that just this thing in you that, that tells you that, yeah, this, this, is, this is what we need to do. And so... There are those things in particular that spoke to us that struck a chord, and we knew that we knew that we knew that, yeah, yeah, that we have to, re- this is God, this is God, this thing that we're looking at, that we're doing right, this is for us. And so before we knew it, there were ministries that were born. Uh, there were people that God brought us with the vision and the passion to lead these different areas and to run with, with the vision that God, God's given us and that thing that he's put in our hearts, and it was just amazing to see how everything began to take shape, and when really... Really, we weren't even thinking about that, all those things to begin with. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing. You, you start out doing something, and before you know it, you're like, all these other things are happening, and these opportunities, these doors, and you're, you start walking through these things, and, 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 and you start this, and you start that, and these people come and help, and they have a passion, and, and God just kind of leads you through these needs and opportunities. And it was just amazing to see how everything has taken shape. And I just finished up a series in my church called Dangerous Prayers. And it's, it's one of my all-time favorite series. And I shared with our church three dangerous prayers that if you pray them, they have the potential to radically change your life. I mean, they literally will alter the course of your life. And in that sense, they're dangerous because, because you pray this and, and your life won't be the same. You know what I'm saying? And those are the kinds of prayers that I want to pray. I want my life to be different. I want God to shake things up in me. Do you guys? Yeah? And so I love this series. <clears throat> now, the last prayer that I did um, was a prayer, uh, what I call a prayer availability. And, um, you know, here's what I've noticed most of the time. Um, it's that people want prayers for, for things that really directly impact them or or affect those that they love. I mean, most of the time, that's, that's, what, that's what we pray. That's how we pray. I mean, we pray, God, would you do this for me? God, would you heal my grandma? God, would you help me get into this school? God, help me find a job and bless this and, and this and, and this. And, and it's okay to pray those prayers, but instead of just praying, God, would you do this for me? A dangerous way to pray is, God, what can I do for you? 
What can I do for you? Not just, hey, God, bless me, keep me saved, do this, but God, I'm your servant, and I want to be available for whatever you, whatever you want to call me to do, whatever, whenever, wherever, and that's what I call a prayer of availability, and honestly, that's been our strategy. That's been our story, and it's, and it's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. And let me tell you, when you pray this prayer, I mean, there's no telling what God's going to do. I mean, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. Uh, he may lead you to go to a different city. He may, he may reveal a calling in your life that you never expected before. He, he may lead you to stay somewhere when you were convinced that, oh, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go here. He may move you to break up with somebody because he wants to give you an upgrade. <laughs> and wouldn't that be awesome? I'm sorry if you're married and you're not, you're not getting a new model. <laughs> so, you know, God will have to upgrade the one you have. Didn't mean to get y'all excited there for a second. But... You know, he might lead you to a different job. He might call you to serve somewhere. He might, I don't know what it could be for you. But when you make yourself available to God, it's an incredibly dangerous prayer. And so what is this prayer of availability? I mean, what's this, what is this dangerous prayer exactly? And so we see Isaiah uh, uh, make this declaration as he's seeking God. Man, he's, he's in God's presence. He's, he's, he's communing with God. And, 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 and here's what he says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And that needs to be our declaration. That needs to be the cry of our heart. That needs to be our prayer. This is a prayer. This is a dangerous prayer. A prayer of availability. God, whatever, wherever, whenever, here I am, send me. Aquí estoy, envíame a mí. And it's all about being available to God. And so this, this prayer this declaration that tells me, this is what it says to me. I mean, it, it, it's like this commitment that I'm making to be available. And, and I, I, it just, it says that I need to be involved. I need to be in the game. I, I need to go vol- volunteer for the Thanksgiving outreach, the food outreach, Habitat for Humanity, the benevolence outreach, whatever that looks like here at One Chapel. I, I need to be available. I need to be plugged in and connected to what's going on here in, in this church on a serving team, making coffee, swinging a hammer, teaching a class, uh, visiting someone in the hospital. I mean, whatever, wherever, when, whenever. And you know, this scripture, I mean, us missionaries, we love this scripture, but it's really not a missionary scripture. It's, it's a good one for us missionaries, but, but each of us needs to understand the implications of uh, I, Isaiah's declaration. We need to do something. We have to be available. And, and there, there's needs all around us. I mean, no doubt. I mean, not just in central Mexico, but all around us and where you live, where you are, uh, where you work. And I just want to be someone who's obedient to wherever God is telling me to go and daring enough to say every day, here I am, here I am, Lord, send me. That's, that's my prayer. That's my declaration. Aquí estoy, Señor, envíame a mí. And I've done, you know, I've done that most of my life, and it's taken me to places that I never, ever in a million years thought possible. I mean, that's, that, that prayer, that, that's how we ended up in Central Mexico, starting a church from zero, from scratch. Uh, that's how we started an outreach project six years ago that ministers to 100, 150 kids and their parents twice a month. You know, many of them street kids in the poorest colony in the city, feeding them dinner, loving on them, ministering to them, teaching them values, character, and life lessons from the Word of God. I mean, that's how that, that's how that came about. That's how we started a nonprofit organization called the Family Life Center, ministering to families in crisis, families in need. That's how we ended up working uh, with two orphanages, 94 kids, another 100 at special needs school. That's how God connected us, crazy connection. That's how God connected us to the governor of our state 
and, and his, his wife's family all come to our church, and through that divine connection and favor, uh, I get named to this family council for the state of Guanajuato, uh, a foreigner, the only pastor on a government council that working for the welfare of the families for the entire state. And you might be shocked by what I'm about to tell you, and I'm not just saying this just to brag or anything. I want you to understand that I really didn't plan on doing any of those things. I didn't. I had no clue going into this thing that we would be doing what we're doing. I didn't plan on any of it. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even on, my, on my radar. I mean, there's so much more that I could tell you that has happened to us, the influence, the favor, the opportunities. I didn't plan on any of that. I'm not smart enough to do all the rest of that stuff, and I wasn't thinking about anything else. I just wanted to start a church because I knew God wanted me to do something in Mexico. We prayed this prayer, here I am, send me God. Aquí estoy, Señor, envíame a mí. And, and the opportunities and the vision, they just they kept on growing, expanding, doors kept opening. And, and honestly, I was just happy to reach one person, just one person. And, and really, that was our mentality when we began this journey, planting a church and, and being in Mexico and, and, and just, let's just reach one. That was our strategy, nothing complicated. I mean, I'd gone to church planter conferences, church strategies, roundtables, and all these things. But really, to be honest, I was just happy to reach one. You know what I'm saying? And look where that has taken us. I mean, a dangerous prayer. No doubt about it, a dangerous prayer. And I think it can be overwhelming sometimes to, to sit there and think, you know, hey, what's God called me to do? How, how am I going to make a difference in this world? I mean, and we start thinking that we're not called, you know, God's not called me to do some, something big for him. That I'm just really not anybody important. I don't know anything, anything spectacular. So why bother? God only speaks to the important people. No, no, no. I mean, don't think like that. I, I used to think like that. But I want to make it easy for you this morning. I want to offer you this thought. It starts with just reaching one, right? It starts with just reaching one. That's been our starting point of this journey of faith that has eventually taken us to Mexico, if I can just reach one. And you can't perhaps touch the whole world directly, but each of us can make a difference in the life of one other person, and we can. And I believe that God brings us opportunities to to do good, opportunities to meet a need. I believe he speaks to us through those opportunities and needs one person at a time. And I'm convinced that if you'll focus on the one, before you know it, you'll be standing in the middle of something huge that, and that's, that's our church growth strategy, honestly. And, 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 and you start doing that for one, and one, and one, and before you know it, man, you're going to be standing in the middle of something huge, and you're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, wow, look at what God's done. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you're going to be amazed and blown away. I mean, you, look, you start looking back, and you're like, oh my gosh, I did that, I did, we did that, oh my gosh. Right? You guys here with me this morning? (laughs) So start with one and do good. Start with one and do good. In fact, Titus chapter 3 says this in verse 1. It says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Be ready to do some good things, in other words. Verse 8 goes on to say this. This is a trustworthy saying, and I I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God, who's trusted in God here this morning? All right, half of you and the others trusted in Satan? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Remember the church lady back then? So, so, you know, so those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent, profitable for everyone. And then he says it again in verse 14. Uh, our people... Believers, us, must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. 
And so this morning, I want to remind you to do good. And now, you know, some of us, some of us think that doing good simply means not doing bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good person. I don't do anything bad. Well, that doesn't mean that you're doing good. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, want, I want to pastor a church that wants to impact the world. And I know that your pastors want the same thing. I know that you guys want the same thing. Am I, am I right? And so there's a quote. Yeah, man, go ahead. Clap for one chapel. You guys are doing awesome. <laughs> and I love what Helen Keller says. She has this, there's this quote I love. And she says this, I'm only one, but still I'm one. I can't do everything, but I still can do something. And because I can't do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. I love that. And really, in a nutshell, that's, that's what we've done in Mexico. I mean, it's not complicated. It starts with one. It starts with something. In my experience, God's voice and his direction really has come through an opportunity. It's come through a need that presented itself, and it's come through, the, through, through touching the life of, of one person. One person. Here I am, send, aquí estoy, mi me. It comes when I put my feet to my prayer. And, and so this morning, I want to give you three things, hopefully. <laughs> I didn't quite finish the last, the, the three things in the other service, but I'm trying to talk faster this morning. I don't normally talk this fast. And so, and I'm used to speaking in Spanish, so I could just preach in Spanish, and I'll talk a lot faster. But this morning, I want to give you three things that will help you reach one. And this, this, honestly, this is what we do day in and day out. Three things that will put feet to this dangerous prayer. And so the first thing you need to know and realize is this, that it is my purpose in life to do good. It's my purpose. It's your purpose. Do you realize that? If you've ever wondered, what's God calling me to do? I just don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I can't figure it out. Your purpose in life is to do good. That's what he's calling you to do. And the reason why, the reason why you're even sucking air right now is, is not to pay your bills, go to work, raise your kids, and try to just get by in life. Your calling in life is to do good, right? It's to do good. That's why you're on the planet. In fact, the only reason God doesn't just rapture you straight from your seat when you say, ah, I give my life to Christ, and whoop, you're gone. The, the, the reason he doesn't do that is because after you cross that line of faith in knowing Christ, well, now you have something to do. You with me? You have a purpose and a passion. He's hardwired you that way. And look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible because I love this version. But you've got to understand, I was made for his purpose and passion. And Ephesians 2.10 says this, you, for we, or you, are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. I mean, that means that he specifically crafted you. He constructed you. He put the motivation in you. And maybe you have a heart for kids. I don't know. There are people in my church who are passionate about the orphanages we work with. Um, he put that motivation in them to pour their heart, their finances, and their lives into kids, to love them, care for them, and to bless them. And he doesn't do that for everyone. And not everyone needs to do that. I mean, we should love kids. Don't get me wrong. But that's not everyone's motivation. We work with a special needs school because the director of that school took in five orphans. And in fact, she was so passionate about reaching kids that, and rescuing kids that, that she adopted, uh, adopted these five orphans. And really what brought us together was this heartbreaking story, this opportunity that presented itself, and the Holy Spirit just kind of connected us uh, to work with her through, through that opportunity. But before she started her special needs school, she worked with an orphanage for a few years, and five little girls, about six years old at the time, she just fell in love with these little girls. I mean, they just really clung to her and just connected, and, 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 but they started confide, confiding in her some things that were happening there, and they began to describe this sexual abuse, all of them. I mean, they're you know, six years old, seven years old. So she found out that the directors of the orphanage were, were pimping these girls out on the weekends. 
And men would come up and pick these girls up on a Friday and bring them back on Sunday night. They're six, seven years old, all five of them, which is a very common thing in, in a lot of Mexico orphanages. And so she was outraged, uh, rightly so, and, and went to the police. The police, they wouldn't do anything. The directors fired her for reporting it, but no one would listen to her. I mean, she reported to everybody she could report it to, and, and no one would do anything about it. And so, you know, one thing about Mexico orphanages, there's no regulations. There's just no nothing. There's no state regulations. There's no inspections. There's just none of, the, none of that kind of stuff. Anybody can start an orphanage. And so no one would listen to her. And she was just, ah, she was heartbroken, but she couldn't do anything. And so after several years, she kind of lost touch with the girls. And so she ended up starting a special needs school. But one day, one of the girls escaped the orphanage. And she's, she's a teenager now. And she found, she found this lady. And so this lady was just so heartbroken, but at the same time overjoyed to see this girl. And so the girl's like, you've got to, you've got to rescue us. You've got to rescue the rest of them. So she went back and picked up, uh, rescued the other, the other girls that were there. And so she asked for our help. <clears throat> and of course, they have a lot of issues, as you can imagine. But man, we, we just, man, I mean, what can you do? I mean, we helped them. We provided school supplies. We helped them get enrolled in school, uniforms for school, just everyday items to help uh, maintain, you know, sustain them and, and food and just different things. And and they have a new life, someone who loves them, someone with a passion and a purpose to do good and love them out of, out of that just horrendous situation. And so you are part of that. Not only do, not only do we work with them, but we, we work at the special needs school, but needs and opportunities. Here I am, send me. We, we put feet to our prayer and, and doors open. The Holy Spirit prompts us, and, 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 and we know, ah, oh, yeah, this, this is God. This is our thing. We're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? And God will, God will speak to you, and he'll move you that way, but, but it's just amazing, amazing what, what, what God will do and how he, he'll work through it. God puts special gifts and talents and passions, callings, abilities inside every one of us. You are his workmanship. The scripture goes on to say that uh, you are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used or to do something for what? Good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. He's got something for you to do. And if you want to make a difference, and I know that you do, the first step in this process is to realize that it's my purpose in life to do good. It's my prayer. God chose to show his goodness through you. You're his plan. And listen, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God, God is not directly good to anyone. His goodness is shown through his church. You, you see that all throughout the, the New Testament. He, his plan is to do it through you. His goodness is shown through you. And do you are you with me? It, uh, this is cliche, but I, I love this quote. Mother Teresa used to say, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And, that, and that's true. I mean, it's our responsibility. That's why we're on the planet. It's our purpose. Start with one. And that, that's, that's our mindset. This is what happened. Let me tell you what happened when we first started our church. There was a lady that showed up at our door one day, and she was looking for a job. Uh, her husband had a heart condition, was unable to work, and she had a family to feed. And she lived in one of the poorest colonies in the city. Uh, her name is Reina, and some of you guys know her. I know Nate probably remembers eating her food. <laughs> but she came to our door looking for work, and my wife connected with her in those few moments, of, few minutes at the door, and, and it was one of those, Lord, here I am, send me type of moments. What can I do to reach this family? And so Sylvia hired her to come and clean her house three days a week, and no interview, no, no nothing, which is crazy. My wife would never do that. And it was just, she met the lady at the door and hired her on the spot. It was just, it was 
so unlike my wife. So she started working for us. Uh, not long after she started working for us, she, she would start talking about, you know, her beliefs and, and how she worshipped uh, the angels and these different spirits and different saints and, and all this spiritual energy stuff. It was just kind of hodgepodge of just weird stuff that she believed. And then she started telling us about her son having this gift of seeing the future. He, she would tell us that he could predict the future, things that would happen just to the family. And so she was really proud of this, you know, thought it was the greatest thing. But she started becoming concerned for her son because he said that he could see, he could see spirits, he could talk with them, and it scared him. And in fact, he would tell her that, that he could see dead people, kind of like you ever seen the movie Sixth Sense, right? And so kind of that thing. And so as the, week went, as the weeks went by, my wife, little by little, just started sharing with her, hey, man, this, you know, this isn't God. And, and she didn't want to hear it, but eventually she started showing up to work crying, just distraught because of these spirits that her son could see began tormenting him, telling him to do things and just threatening him and, and, and scaring the pants out off him. And so they would find him hiding under his bed at night or in his closet. He couldn't sleep. He was terrified. And so he was seven at the time, and this went on for, for weeks. And he lost weight, had huge dark circles under his eyes, and looked nothing like a normal seven-year-old kid. I mean, his face was just sunken in and pale, and, and honestly, he, he looked like death. And uh, so they took him to the doctor. The doctor said there wasn't anything wrong with him. They took him to the priest. The priest told him that they were crazy. They took him to seven different spiritual healers, curanderos, and no one could help him. In fact, the last one they took him to really freaked him out because as soon as they walked in the door, the guy, the guy asked the boy, his name is Jonathan, the guy asked Jonathan, who's your friends? And, of course, you know, parents are like, well, I don't see anybody. And he could. And it freaked him out. And so finally she got to the point where, you know, you got to tell me. You got to tell me about Jesus. Tell me more about Jesus. And my wife had told the only answer was to give their lives to Christ, and, and he would set, set her boy free. So we invited him over for dinner that night. We shared Christ with them. I mean, we just we shared the gospel, and, and it, was like, it was like the jailer's story. What do we need to do to get saved? And so the whole family received Christ that night. The whole family did. Then, then, then we gathered in a circle and prayed right there in the living room. And we just took authority over that spear, that tormenting thing, attacking their son, and and before we finished the prayer, he had fallen asleep standing up. And he slept until like 1 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. And he's been, he's 13 now, so he's been sleeping like a baby ever since. And, and the kid, I mean, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see his transformation. I mean, he, he, he loves me. <laughs> he's just, I mean, he does, he like imitates me and, and he, wants to be a, he wants to be like Pastor Jeff. And, and he idolizes me and I, I can't blame him, but... <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> but, uh, but just a great kid. And uh, so Reina comes to work the next day, and she's just crying and tears of joy, and they were so happy, so peaceful, so free, so thankful. And, they, and so they, they, they told us that you've got to, cut, you've got to come and you've got to tell our family about Jesus. You've got to tell our family. And so we came the next night. They invited all their family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins, and there were about 60 people that night, um, all family. And we ate dinner. Then after dinner, I, I shared the gospel with them that night. And everybody received Christ that night. They all received Christ that night. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so, and so not only the family, but while I was sharing Christ, there were probably 30, 40 kids that had gathered outside because they saw the Americans pull up. And they were all hanging in the windows and outside the doors and listening to the message. And they received Christ that night. And not only that, this is one of the poorest colonies in the city. A lot of the kids there live in the streets abused homes, drug-addicted parents, some, some maybe getting only one meal a day. 
And, uh, but Rainer and husband Raul were so on fire and excited about what God did in their life. They told us, oh my gosh, our colonia needs Jesus. You've got, to, you've got to tell the people here about Jesus. When can you come back? When can you come back? And so we came back the next night, and uh, they had gone door to door inviting everybody in the colonia uh, and telling the neighborhood how God delivered their, their son because everybody knew about their son. And so we shared again in their house another night, and another 80 people from the colonia, and everybody got saved that night. Everybody in the place got saved. And never in my life have I ever experienced anything like that. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And uh, how did that happen? I mean, what happened? I, what, what did we do? Uh, we reached one. <laughs> one person, one family. That's it. That, that was what we did. And look what God did. And from that opportunity, that need, that one person, we knew, we knew. I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, what God was trying to tell us, but we knew that God want us, wanted us to do something there. So we started an outreach in that colonia, and we've been there six years now, and we got 150 kids every other week, moms and dads. We feed them a meal, and we minister to them, and that, that night was the beginning of our first outreach in that city. And, and we had just barely started our church, like maybe a month, and we had more people in that outreach than we had in our church, and it was just crazy. But the thing is, I was, I was not planning on doing any of that. I wasn't planning on doing it. I hadn't even thought of starting anything else. I mean, I was just trying to start my church. I'm like, man, Sundays, Wednesdays, Bible study, church, we're starting a church. And that outreach never even crossed my mind. And not, and so, it's, but it started with one, reaching one, our purpose. You have to realize that's your purpose in life, do good. And secondly, I just want to give you these other two points because I know I have to leave. Wish I had more time. But uh, the second thing we do is we, we reach, people wherever, reach people wherever you are. Reach people wherever you are. Because some people think that, good, you know, you, do, you only do good things in religious places, like some big out, church outreach. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's how you do things like to the person seated next to you. I mean, uh, just people on your row, you don't know what people are going through, what they're dealing with. And if you just stopped and asked them, hey, hey can, can I pray with you about something this week? You'd be surprised at their response. You know what I'm saying? I mean, have you, ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever asked the guy next to you? Say, hey, man, you know, I just feel like, can I pray for something about your life? I mean, is there anything I can pray with you about? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going through this. and Man, just do good. Just do good where you are. Reach the people where you are. And, and, and let me leave you this, this last one here. I think about the, uh, good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan. And really, the story wasn't that he just did something nice for, for a guy bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. The, what, was, <laughs> what was really interesting the, the, uh, about this story was that, is that he wasn't planning on it. He had somewhere to go. I mean, he, this guy interrupted his plan. He was going somewhere, and this guy happened to show up. And the, the coolest part of the story was that, that he stopped. I mean, he didn't, listen, he, he wasn't signing up to go volunteer for the Jericho Road outreach, right? I mean, his life was interrupted, and, and, and man, just, you got to reach people where you are. And the last thing, last point I want to give you, putting feet to your prayer, the dangerous prayer that we, that we see in Isaiah is find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. <clears throat> find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. And really, you can't, you can't get any more easier than that. I mean, have you ever seen the animated, the, the cartoon, the robots that was out several years ago? Anybody here? Just me? I'm the only adult that watches animated movies. <laughs> no. But I remember taking our kids to it when they were little. And the whole mantra of, of that robot was, was what? Find it. Yeah, see a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. See a need and fill it. Remember? 
And so, man, if we could just live by that, if we could just ah, reach, reach one, reach one, just reach one, and it's amazing what God will do. And before you know it, you're going to be like way over here, and you're going to look back, and it's like, oh my gosh, I just, I just doing something for one person. Now look, now look what's happened. I mean, at all these people's lives that that I've touched, and and things have changed, and look what God's done, and and that's 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 our church. That's all we've done. I, I'm not Mr. Strategic Planner, and we're going to, you know, step one, step two, we're going to start this ministry, start this ministry, start that, we're going to do this. No, that that's never was my plan. <laughs> I just, I was planting a church, but I started reaching one, and now we got these outreach ministries. Now we got uh, an orphanage that we're going to build. Now we have this family life center that we're working with. Now we're doing this, and we're doing, it's like, I, I wasn't even thinking of those things. I just wanted to reach one. You with me? So, man, I want to leave you with that. And, I, and can I pray for you guys? Let me pray for you guys because I know i got to get back to the other campus. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for just everything that you're doing here in one chapel and the lives of so many people. This campus, God, we are thankful, Father, that there are people here that have connected with the vision. And, Lord, I pray that you've stirred their hearts this morning, that they will see that, that they are called to do good, that their purpose is to do good. If they've been searching for what 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 their plan and purpose is in life, God, I believe that they found it today, and that's to do good. And I pray, God, that through that, you'll open doors. You'll lead them to other opportunities. You'll meet needs through them, God, and that, that their agenda, uh, that, that your agenda will become their agenda. And, Lord, I pray for that. I pray for just the passion and compassion to rise up in their hearts, Lord, and that they'll be sensitive to your voice. They'll hear your voice, and they'll just do good. They'll touch lives because that's what you're calling them to do, Father. And I pray that over this congregation. And thankful for the opportunity that we have to share. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.